You're listening to Give Me the Bible with Len. Today's topic is entitled Distinctives. Hello my radio friends, welcome to the program today. Are you aware that there are over 30,000 Protestant religions in the world right now? The question is, why so many? Well, the answer, firstly, because there are different interpretations of Scripture. Secondly, some religious organisations do not accept all Scripture. Thirdly, some ignore parts of Scripture. Fourthly, some have not progressed with greater revelations of truth but remain, as I put it, stuck in the mud. And fifthly, some are obsessed with tradition rather than truth. And today I'd like to share a little about the distinctives of Seventh-day Adventist beliefs. But first, I wish to clarify an issue that's been expressed by certain individuals that Seventh-day Adventism is a sect, but that's not true. Seventh-day Adventists are Christians through and through and have much in common with most mainline Christian religions. The Seventh-day Adventist Church is a recognised worldwide Protestant religion. It's proud of its heritage, which comes from Protestantism in the Reformation. The Church operates in 202 out of the 230 countries and areas of the world recognised by the United Nations, making it probably the most widespread Protestant denomination. And worldwide missions are second only behind the Roman Catholics, which of course has a much greater membership. Each week, church attendance is about 25 million, with a growth in membership of about 3,500 per day. Numerically, the Seventh-day Adventist Church is considered the fifth largest Protestant religious organisation in the world. Seventh-day Adventists believe that they belong to not just another church, but have a distinctive message to present to the world about the soon-coming return of Jesus and the issues relating to worship and of the end of the world. And this is all found in Revelation chapter 14, verses 6 to 12. Seventh-day Adventists believe that they are to share their faith and that it's very important to live our faith 24-7. Furthermore, we believe that what we believe, that is, all doctrine, must be based on the Bible and the Bible alone, sola scriptura, that is. We accept that the tremendous growth and success of the Church has been because of the Lord's guidance through Ellen Gould White, who's been given the gift of prophecy. 
Through her writings and counsel, the mission of the Church has greatly benefited. We accept that it is important to understand Bible prophecy. If you'd like to discover more for yourself, there is a book you can get called Your Friends the Adventists, where you can read in greater detail what I've just summarised. I'll announce the name of the book again at the end of the program, and if you have a piece of paper and a pen handy, you can jot it down. If you know a Seventh-day Adventist, that person should be a good citizen, honest and a nice, reliable person to know. Seventh-day Adventists hold the fundamental Christian beliefs about Christ and salvation as with most other Christians, believing that salvation is a gift of God and is available through Christ alone. That is our fundamental belief, although we realise that we have a part to play in maintaining our saved relationship with the Lord. There is much counsel and advice throughout the New Testament about being alert to the times, about the possibility of temptation and the situations which surround us. Although we recognise there is nothing we can do to improve on the beautiful sacrifice of Jesus for our salvation, we are to be actively involved in demonstrating our appreciation for what God has done for us. That being said, there are some distinctives between Seventh-day Adventists and traditional Protestantism that I want to share with you today. And the first is about baptism. A good Lutheran friend of mine was telling me recently that for the first two months of his life he was in hospital having been born prematurely. Because there were some doubts about whether he would die or not, as he stated it, he was baptised. Later, when he passed that critical stage and was doing well physically as a young child, he was baptised again. Laughingly, he joked, I am one of a few who have been baptised twice. What happened to my friend is known as infant baptism. This is a common practice with many Protestant religions. Baptists, Seventh-day Adventists and some Pentecostal church groups believe that baptism is important, but it should only be, be, be performed by immersion. Baptism is a public witness of the acceptance of God's grace for the forgiveness of our sins, and it's a public witness that that person intends to live a new, transformed, righteous life with Jesus as his or her master. Did you know that although baptism is not practiced by the Roman Catholics in our times, that is, baptism by immersion, some of the Roman Catholic churches and cathedrals in Europe still retain baptismal fonts, which were used in former years to baptise young children. 
but that practice was dropped in favour of dripping water onto a child's head and calling it baptism. And that's somewhat hypocritical because the word baptism comes from baptisma, which means to immerse. So what is distinctive in the baptisms practised by Baptists and Seventh-day Adventists? Firstly, I have to say that we do what we do because it's based on the Bible. We do not baptise infants because we believe baptism should only take place when an individual has made a rational choice to follow the Lord. Infants are not in the position to make that choice for themselves. The Bible mentions two specific baptisms and the manner of those baptisms. The first is about Jesus' baptism by John in the River Jordan. You can read about this in Matthew 3 and verse 16. It states, As soon as Jesus was baptised, he went up out of the water. Before that, he'd gone down into the water. And his baptism was by being immersed, that is, covered in water, and not just splashed with water. The second indicator of the method of baptism is found in Acts 8. Philip, one of the seven deacons of the newly formed Christian church, was told by an angel to go south to the road, the desert road, that goes down to Jerusalem to Gaza. Philip did this and there met an Ethiopian official in a chariot. He was reading a section of scripture from Isaiah which he did not understand. Philip was invited to get up into the chariot and was able to explain the passage. And this was the passage. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter and as a lamb before the shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. Philip explained that that passage was about Jesus and went on to tell the Ethiopian about the gospel message of salvation. The Ethiopian was convicted in his heart and wanted to become a follower of Christ, and while they were travelling along they must have neared a small lake or oasis. Acts 8 verse 36 tells more of the story. As they travelled along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, here is water. Why shouldn't I be baptised? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptised him. He was baptised by immersion. The Bible tells us that after the baptism, they parted, and the Ethiopian went on his way rejoicing. Seventh-day Adventists follow the Bible model of baptism by immersion, except in some very exceptional circumstances. The second distinctive is that Seventh-day Adventists keep the biblical Sabbath, that being the seventh day of the week, Saturday. 
The Sabbath is kept from sundown Friday evening to sundown Saturday evening. This is based on how the day is defined in Genesis chapter 1. God's recognition of a full day was from evening to evening. Keeping the Sabbath for a Seventh-day Adventist is a requirement of the fourth of the Ten Commandments. It says, Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall do no work, neither you nor your son or your daughter nor your manservant or maidservant nor your animals nor the alien within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that's in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Because God blessed the Sabbath and made it holy, it has been set aside to honour him, our Creator and Redeemer. Seventh-day Adventists keep the whole 24 hours as a special day and don't go to their usual employment, don't go to sporting fixtures and don't go shopping. There is further information about how to keep the Sabbath in Isaiah 58 verse 13. It says, If you keep your feet from breaking the Sabbath and from doing as you please on my holy day, If you call the Sabbath a delight and the Lord's day honourable, and if you honour it by not going your own way and not doing as you please or speaking idle words, then you will find joy in the Lord. There are about 130 Protestant groups that keep the Sabbath, although most Protestants have blindly followed the Catholic model and have substituted worship on Sunday, the first day of the week, instead of what God ordained, that being the seventh day of the week. Most mainline Protestants keep Sunday as the day of worship, but generally they're quite happy to go shopping, to clean the car and so on, when they're not at church. They certainly do not keep the whole day holy. Now, I know some of you may be wondering, which is the seventh day of the week? Well, it's Saturday, and here are three um, proofs. First of all, Jews worship on Saturday and have been doing so for centuries. That's the first. Secondly, although there have been changes made to the calendar, the sequence of the days of the week was never changed. And the third thing is, many world languages still call Saturday Sabbath. To me, there is no further proof needed that Saturday is the true Sabbath. In modern times, some calendars indicate that Monday is the first day of the week. But that really refers to the business week. I should point out that the calendar changes where Sunday was moved from the first to the last day of the week has been yet another invention 
by the Catholic Church. By keeping the proper Sabbath in the ways that God requires shows proper reverence, honour and respect to him. Now, I've heard some claim that the Sabbath was only given to the Jews. You know, that's a stupid assertion because the Sabbath commandment is one of the Ten Commandments. All ten of the commandments were given to the Israelites at Mount Sinai. All ten commandments remain valid and in force today and are to be kept by God's people. Jesus plainly said, and it's recorded in Mark 2.27, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. And this is what he did not say. The Sabbath was made for the Jews only. Some others have tried to get around the requirement of the fourth commandment by saying that the commandments were abolished at the cross. But it's quite clear that they misunderstand that it was the ceremonial law that was abolished as Jesus became the full and complete sacrifice himself. Animal sacrifices were no longer needed. Anyone who follows the line that the commandments were abolished must realise that they are in disagreement with what was said by Jesus himself plus the apostles, Paul, Peter, James and John. By keeping all the Ten Commandments, Seventh-day Adventists demonstrate their total commitment to the Lord, whereas many other Protestants appear to only demonstrate a partial commitment. Now some have called Seventh-day Adventists legalists because of the practice of Sabbath-keeping. Again, that's a stupid assertion because those same accusers have no problems with keeping all the rest of the commandments. If they say that stealing is wrong and make it a practice not to steal, they are obeying God's law and may similarly be accused of being legalists. Why so many avoid keeping the Sabbath is a puzzle to me. I found the weekly Sabbath to be a delight, something not to be missed, and a refreshing blessing. A third distinctive focus of the Seventh-day Adventist Church is what I would like to call the never-ending story. In many Protestant churches, the focus is gospel-oriented, and that's a good thing. Others, like the Lutherans, have a good deal of tradition mixed with the gospel message of salvation. Seventh-day Adventists focus on what salvation is all about, not just that our sins are forgiven through the merits and sacrifice of Jesus Christ, but what salvation means. Romans 8, 9 and 10 is one example. It says that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you, re that you believe and are justified, and it's with your mouth 
that you confess and are saved. The question is, being saved to what? Jesus explained this to the Pharisee Nicodemus in John 3.16, where he said, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but will have eternal life. You know, this is one of the reasons for the name Seventh-day Adventist. Seventh-day Adventists obviously continue to worship on the seventh-day Sabbath, but are awaiting the the advent, that is, the coming of Jesus Christ, to take home with him to heaven those who are his faithful people. Seventh-day Adventists believe in the rapture, but do not believe in a secret rapture. Our doctrine is based on two main passages of Scripture in the New Testament. The first is from John fourteen one to 3 This is a statement from the lips of Jesus who said, Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I am going there to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that where I am there you may be also. The Advent refers to what is called the second coming of Jesus, where he comes in person to receive those who love him. He who died for us will take us back to heaven, the home of God, that he can be with those who love him. The second is a statement given by the Apostle Paul in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 16 and 17. It says, For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command and with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will be with the Lord forever. That's why I call this distinctive doctrinal belief the never-ending story, because God promises eternal life to the saints those who are obedient to him and who also accept the sacrifice of Jesus. Seventh-day Adventists do not accept the recently invented story of a secret rapture, and we do not believe that when a person dies, their conscious entity departs from the body and goes immediately to heaven. When someone dies, he or she waits patiently in the grave knowing nothing until that moment of time at the second coming when Jesus comes and calls them to eternal life. This particular understanding of the Bible is called by the Apostle Paul the blessed hope. It gives special meaning to life and it provides motivation to live according to God's will. 
Unfortunately, there are some who confuse Seventh-day Adventists with another religious group that gives us a bad name. We belong to a religion of obedience, trust and hope. Our beliefs and practices are Bible-based, and we believe what most mainstream Protestants believe. But with additional information that many Protestant groups fail to teach. We accept that it's important to obey the instruction given in the Bible. Next week I'll share more about the distinctive beliefs of Seventh-day Adventists, so I hope you will tune in and listen. The book mentioned in the early part of today's program is called Your Friends, the Adventists. Why don't you call a station or call our producer Nick on 0401-305-077 to secure your free copy. That number again, 0401-305-077. Until next time then, I wish you God's blessings and the hope that you too will be a participant in the never-ending story. If when you give the best of your service telling the world that the Savior has come. Be not dismayed when men do not believe you. He'll understand and say, Well done. Oh, when I come. To the end of my journey, my journey, my journey. We're